A wise man once said, every journey begins with the first step. Come with me, my friends, as together we travel down the roadway of geekdom in our never-ending quest to find the joy and fun in what we love. However, our final destination may not be where we intended, for on this journey, tangents abound. Well, hello there, my friends. Oh, it's so good to be back and to have you join me today on the 11th episode of Tangents Abound. My name is Aaron Henley, and thank you all for joining me. And if you're new to the show, welcome, welcome, welcome. It's a great episode today, my friends, because today we continue our 80s Saturday morning cartoon month. And even though I have absolutely no idea if this was an actual Saturday morning cartoon... I know it premiered in the 80s, and therefore it counts. <laughs> I don't have a lot of feedback or comments, so uh, I do have one little uh, email thing I'm going to go into, and then, then we'll play a promo and get right into it because, oh, I've got some special treats for this one. Okay, my friends. Our feedback today comes from my good buddy, Gene Hendricks, and it's not really an email or a comment. It was kind of a little Facebook conversation we had, but... I just wanted to address it because it, to me it sounded like an email. So, And it's my show, so I can do what I want. <laughs> okay, and Gene writes, Regarding the teaser on the end of the most recent episode, that's episode 9 for those of you not aware, regarding the teaser on the end of the most recent episode, again, episode 9, if it's what that music originally appeared in, I'm really looking forward to that. Yes, so am I. And also, sorry I haven't been emailing you, but not having read the comics you were covering, I didn't feel qualified to comment. Well, let me just put this on record, Gene. And this is true for all my friends and all my listeners. And you're not my listeners, you're my friends. If you don't feel qualified to comment on something, please don't hesitate to drop a line. Just, you know, say, hey, you're doing a good job. Or, hey, you know, I feel like checking this out. Or, hey, this is really stupid. Why don't you move on to something else? You know, you don't have to have read what I'm talking about or seen what I'm talking about. My goal is to just maybe generate a little interest so maybe down the line you want to check it out. And if not, that's cool. That's fine. Believe me, there's plenty of stuff out there I've listened to that I'd love to be able to check out. I just don't have the funds to do. <laughs> but if I had an unlimited budget or ever won the lottery, oh boy. <laughs> so again, my friends, please don't ever be afraid to comment or to drop me a line just to say, Hey, Aaron, how's it going? I hope you're having a good day. You know, I'll, I'll read anything. Okay, my friends. Well, today is a special day. Last week we talked about Transformers. And this week, we're going to talk about my personal favorite when I was three. <laughs> and that, well, I'll let the promo go through first, and then I'll let one of the greatest voice actors of all time introduce it. Yes, I was able to get actually someone in the studio to dr do some recording. So this this was awesome. The best part is, I didn't have to pay him. I just had to buy a pizza. Ha! Okay, my friends. Well, first, let's listen into a great podcast from a man who I really hope one day to podcast with. And that's Mr. Michael Bailey and his very first podcast, one of the first shows I ever listened to, Views from the Long Box. Under the festival, 
My name is Michael Bailey, and I am still kind of a bad geek. Not a fan of anime, never seen any of the Harry Potter films, much less read the books. I ventured a little further into the worlds of Star Wars and Star Trek, and I've even managed to watch a little Doctor Who. I've also managed to not watch a single episode of The Walking Dead. So what do I like? Comic books. I have been reading and collecting comic books since 1987, and I've been a fan of superheroes for as long as I can remember. Some would consider this a hobby, but I prefer to look at it as what it truly is, a crippling addiction that I may never recover from. Back in 2007, I started a podcast called Views from the Long Box to deal with this borderline personality disorder. Every week or so, I pick a particular comic or issue or character or whatever to talk about them, and then... Well, I, I talk about them. It's kind of what a podcast is. Sometimes I'm alone. Sometimes I'm joined by my semi-regular co-host, the Irredeemable Shag, or Thomas DJ, and the permanent semi-regular co-host, Andrew Leyland, and sometimes another friend from the podcasting and comic book world stops by to chat. The show is located at www.viewsfromthelongbox.com, where you can find old episodes and show notes and links to my other internet endeavors. You can also find the show on Facebook, and I'm on Twitter under the handle at Bailey's Podcasts. Views from the Long Box, a podcast about comic books or a desperate cry for help. You decide every Tuesday or so at www.viewsfromthelongbox.com. Alrighty, my friends. Again, I highly recommend checking out Views. It's a great podcast. I've listened to it <laughs> since, oh my god, since about 2008. <laughs> wow! Well, I suddenly feel old. But uh, I will warn you, friends, uh, while Michael himself is pretty okay, um, okay language-wise, some of his guest stars do tend to get a little blue, so some episodes aren't okay for little listeners. So I just want to let you know but 10 to 1, if it's just Michael on the show, or he's hanging out with Big Honkin' Steve, or Andy Leyland, or um, Gene Hendricks, they're always family-friendly. Shag, we need to talk, my friend. <laughs> but also, Shag, if you are listening, you're always welcome to come on my show and talk about Firestorm. I have no problem using a bleep sound effect, so <laughs> just throwing that out there, Shag. I even have a Doctor Who little montage for you if you ever come on. So, yeah, I take care of my friends. And also, I'm not ashamed to bribe them. <laughs> okay, so that was a nice little tangent. So, what am we going to talk about this week? Hmm. Well, you probably already know if you read the episode description. But let's let the wonderful, the amazing, the talented... Peter Cullen, introduce our subject today. From days of long ago, from uncharted regions of the universe, comes a legend. The legend of Voltron, defender of the universe. A mighty robot, loved by good, feared by evil. As Voltron's legend...
Oh, that's right, friends. We're going to be talking Voltron. Yes, we're continuing our coverage of giant robots. And not just giant robots. Giant robots who transform into other giant robots. Huh. Wow, this is a lot like Transformers. Well, actually, it's more like Power Rangers, but we'll get into that. Now, just a heads up, friends. You may have noticed there was a little bit of a static in the teaser with the whole other soundtrack. Well, that's because we're not going to be covering the original Voltron series in this episode. Now, make no mistake, I love the original Voltron series, but I recently rewatched it on Netflix, and I have to say it doesn't hold up nearly as well and is better in nostalgic memory. Let me just summarize pretty much the entire run of the original Voltron. Bunch of crazy stuff happens, usually involving mice. Hagar creates a new row beast. Voltron Force fights it with the lions, doesn't really do anything. They form Voltron, form Blazing Sword, cut row beast in half, wash, rinse, and repeat. Oh, and Swen, who we thought was dead, actually comes back. And they uh, stop King Zarkon. And Prince Lothor keeps hitting on Alora, but nothing ever happens. Oh, and apparently there was a lot of differences between the original series from Japan and what we got as Voltron. Um, yeah, Nanny died. <laughs> I was kind of shocked by that. <laughs> but we're not going to cover that. Now, I will say this. This is an awesome show. The um, Netflix Voltron Legendary Defender show we're about to talk about. This is amazing. I highly recommend checking it out, especially... If you have Netflix, there is no reason not to watch this. It's four and a half hours. Take an afternoon and watch it. That said, there will be spoilers, 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 and more spoilers will abound. So, if you don't want to listen, stop right now. I won't mind. Okay, you have been warned. So, Voltron the Legendary Defender. Let's go into some uh, information. And I'm getting this from the wiki... Uh, site because they kind of condensed it and made it really nice. Now, the series originally um, came from both Netflix and DreamWorks, and it was announced on January 5th, 2016, and that it would debut later that year. Now, there's some really neat things with this show. First off, the showrunners are Lorne Montgomery and Joaquim Dos Santos. Now, you may not be familiar with them, friends, but I'm certain you're familiar with their work if you've listened to if you listen to this show, because these are two people who were showrunners on Avatar and Korra, and in my opinion, those are the two best shows Nickelodeon ever made. Period. <clears throat> now we have uh, some very f neat voice cast. First off. The main, the leader of the team, and it's not Keith. No, this is important. The main leader of the team is Shiro. Now, who is Shiro? Well, he is the pilot of the Black Lion, and he's uh, first off voiced by Josh Keaton, or better known as Spider-Man from the amazing, I better not use that, from the spectacular, I shouldn't say, from the amazing spectacular, from the... <laughs> From the amazing show, The Spectacular Spider-Man. 
Thank you. I finally got that out. <laughs> and also in the cast, we pretty much have a geek's cornucopia. We have Stephen Ewan, and I apologize, Mr. Ewan, if I mispronounce your last name, from Mr. Ewan, is the voice of Keith, and he's probably best known as Glenn from the Walking Dead TV series. Playing um, playing Lance is Jeremy, Jeremy Shada, probably best known as Finn of Adventure Time. I did not know that. That's pretty cool. Playing Pidge is Bex Taylor Kloss, best known as Sin from the Arrow series. For those of you who don't remember her, she was the one whom the first Black Canary promised to protect. And then after, well, she died the first time, she kind of disappeared from the series. I, I hope she comes back. I, I kind of miss her. Playing the role of Hunk is Tyler Labine, and he's kind of hard for me to find. I'm looking up his wiki page, and it looks like he starred in uh, just a few things. They say he's best known as Dave Groves in Invasion, Burt Sock Wysocki in Reaper, and Dale in the comedy horror film Tucker and Dale vs. Evil. Well, I've never seen any of those, so I have no idea. Sorry, Mr. Levine, but he does do a great job as Hunk. Okay, and now we get into Princess Alora. She's voiced by Kimberly Brooks. Now, I know her mainly from video games. She has an extensive video game voice over resume. She is probably, for me, best known as Ashley Williams from the Mass Effect series, the uh, Human Soldier, or Bob Barbara Gordon or Oracle from the first two Arkham Asylum and Arkham City games. So, yeah, pretty good street cred. Playing Koran is Reese Darby. He's an actor and a comedian from New Zealand, so, yeah, that kind of makes sense why he uh, is the comedy relief character. <laughs> Playing... Emperor Zarkon is Neil Kaplan, and he's probably best known as Optimus Prime from Transformers Robots in Disguise. So, yeah, Optimus Prime's a bad guy, friends. Uh, I think I'm actually crying right now. Playing Alora's father, King Alphor, this is actually pretty cool. It's Keith James Ferguson, who's best known as Blue from Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends. And I love Blue, so... <laughs> but trust me, he sounds nothing like Blue. It's very dignified. I was very impressed by that. And finally playing Hagar is Cree Summer. You know, best known from... Well, name an animated series. She's done a voice in it. She's done Elmira from Tiny Toons. She's done Susie from Rugrats. She's done number five from Codename Kids Next Door. <laughs> She's done Princess Keaton in Atlantis, and yeah, I turned 14, and went, ooh, yeah. <clears throat> That's when I started noticing girls, and Princess Keaton was quite attractive, so you have, so yeah, Creek Summer meant a lot to me. <laughs> so yeah, you name a show or a video game, chances are she's voice acted in it. She's got an extensive resume. So, uh, yeah, that's that's the uh, voice cast. And and now let's get back to Shiro. So who is Shiro? He's actually really neat because he's not just a leader. No, 
the story opens with him and two scientists. And I'm just going to spoil it right out of the gate. The, the two scientists are the father and brother to Pidge. Okay. And they are on the furthest moon of Pluto, Kerberos. And they're investigating, you know, trying to find life on other planets. Well, their theories are very quickly proven true... Because while they're on the moon, they are captured by a Galra spaceship. Now, the Galra are the uh, bad guys. They're Prince Archon, King Archon, and Hagar, and all the classics villains. And they're pretty much gone for a year. They, they're enslaved. We find out a bit more. Um, Shiro has been pretty much doing the whole Spart I Am Spartacus route because he's a gladiator. And we don't know what happens to Pidge's father or brother. We, in fact, the season ends and we still don't know. It's one of those dangling plot threads that I'm sure will be addressed in um, the second season. Yes, this show deserved a second season and I'm so happy it got one. Now, we ha then we have everybody's favorites. We have Keith, Lance, Pidge, and Hunk. And they're pretty much just like they were in the 87 series. Keith's the... Well, Keith's more the lone wolf type guy, you know, the, the Logan personality, well, Wolverine personality. Um, Lance is still the cocky pilot, you know, pretty much the Han Solo. Pidge is the inquisitive scientist, you know, he'll put everything together and figure out what's going on. But his main motivation in, in all of the story, from joining the Galaxy Garrison to be to go out into space, to even join the Voltron Force, and they, they're called Team Voltron. We, we don't have an official Voltron Force, but I'm, I'll probably be calling them the Voltron Force throughout the show. His whole mi mission is to find his family, and he's actually aware um, by equipment he's built that something is going on out in space uh, a year later after the uh, kidnapping of Shiro and his brother and father. Now, the Galaxy Garrison wrote off what happened because they didn't want to say, hey, aliens exist. They just said there was an accident due to pilot error. Everybody died. And Hunk, again, is the lovable, gentle giant figure who's always hungry, always wanting to eat, but... He goes through a really, really nice uh, character arc. In fact, all of them do. Um, none of them start off as how we see them. Uh, I'm, as how they end up, I should say. None of them, they, they all have arcs. And a lot happens. In fact, there's something that happens with Zarkon in the final episode. And I'll get to that when we talk about it. Because, yeah, that completely changes everything I've ever known about Voltron. Um, first off, this is a serialized show, so every episode plays into the next. And here's how good this show is, my friends. There are not just one or two episodes, but this is a... Well, it's it, Netflix calls it an 11-episode series with an hour-long episode. So if you broke it down and broke that hour-long episode into three parts, you'd have a standard 13-episode half-hour series. Now, this show is so good that there's not just one or two episodes. No, 
there are, I'd say, a good five to six episodes because I've been rewatching. So, you know, almost half the series of your, you know, first season that you don't even see Voltron. In fact, you may not even see the lions being used for about four episodes. And you don't care. At least I didn't. By the time the final episode happened, I went, what, what, where, where's the next episode? Where's the next episode? And we'll talk about that in a little bit too. But yeah, I mean, for a show to be that good, that you don't even care that, you know, the name character, the giant robot you signed up to watch this show for doesn't even show up for a substantial part of it. Now, don't get me wrong. When he's on screen, oh, yeah, it's all Voltron. Oh. But for as much as he's not on screen, but you get the characters and you get moments with them, you don't mind it. it, it it's actually really, really well done. And that's... Again, why well, I have to say check this show out. And if you stop now, because I am getting, I am about to spoil some major plot points right now. So if you stop right now, you are warned. This is it. This is the this is the point of no return. The yellow log's about to blow. We got to get in the DeLorean, otherwise we ain't getting back to 1985. <clears throat> All right. So if you're with me, there's no turning back. Okay. First off, Pidge. Is not Pidge. And you're probably going, what? Pidge is actually an alias. Because Pidge is a girl named Katie. Yeah. I just, I just uh, completely blew your mind. She's still, her brother and father are still captured. But she is, you know, still trying to find them. But... She's a girl. I mean, that's that's a huge twist right there. Even, uh, but it, you know, it's not that big a deal because the show doesn't make it a big deal. Now, there's some uh, points where Princess Allura finds out that she is a girl because yes, she does have the mice, but it it actually makes sense this time for her to have the the sidekick mice because when the Voltron Force meet, okay, tangent abound. When Voltron, the Voltron Force meet Princess Alora, she's actually she and Koran have been in cryostasis for ten thousand years, and she and him are the only two people of her race left alive, at all. And the mice were actually in her pod, and Alora has a mild psychic power, so she actually formed a telepathic bond with the mice. So. The mice found out Pidgey was a girl. They told Alora. So Alora tries to get Pidgey or Katie to tell her who, you know, I, I'm a girl. <laughs> you know, and, she, she, and Alora isn't exactly being subtle about it either. <laughs> but that was a great little twist. And the Castle of Lions isn't just a castle. It's a spaceship. So once... Uh, they power it, and once they get it all repaired, because, you know, again, 10,000 years, and before that, it was, it was pretty much getting the tar sh shot out of it by Zarkon's fleet. So Zarkon is also 10,000 years old. Now, we'll get into how he's still alive, because Allura's like, well, how is he still alive? That's impossible. You know, yes, he, he came from a long-lived race, but no one lives 10 millennia. And 
It turns out that Hagar developed a something called, um, in the show, is a mystical energy known as quintessence, or a.k.a. the Force, because it's life force. And what they've been doing is leeching entire worlds, sucking all the life force out of a planet and condensing it into like a little serum. And it's been extend, unnaturally extending Zarkon's and Hagar's lives and, you know, his most trusted servants way beyond the way they should be. So that's how Zarkon is still king of the Galra and alive after 10,000 years. In fact, the Galra Empire has pretty much conquered the entire universe with the exception of a few planets, Earth being one of them. But Alora tells them, you know, it's only a matter of time. We need Voltron to fight him and to save your planet. There's there's a lot to go on that goes on in this show. And I'm I don't want to spoil all of it. Hunk goes through a really important lesson. Everybody gets their moment to shine and an episode to shine in. Probably one of the most impressive ones to me is Princess Alora. The uh, Voltron team is on the Castle of Lions and they're in space traveling, you know, through the galaxy. And through the course of the show there's a computer virus that infects the system and starts basically turning the ship into HAL 9000. Well, there's a hologram interface of her father, which contains all his memories, personality, and allows her to, you know, talk to her father even though he's been long dead. Similar to, you know, Clark talking to Jor-El at the Fortress of Solitude, or Kara Zor-El talking to her mother. Um, hologram if you watch Supergirl so along that lines I mean it's pretty much you are talking to your parent well the hologram infects the uh, the virus infects the hologram I should say and it's it's heart-wrenching because the only way to destroy this virus is to destroy the hologram because that's what's really controlling the entire ship and throughout and and Allura has to make that choice in fact, the hologram is fighting off the corruption and is begging Alora to do it. And she does. But it tears her apart. And it's great because the next episode doesn't just wash that under the bridge. But it affects her for, I think, for the rest of the series. And it makes her even more of a stronger character because she's like, this will never happen to anyone else. The Gara went way too far on this. And it's just, it's great. We find out that Shiro has PTSD. Um, when he uh, breaks free of the Gaara uh, as a gladiator, his right arm has been replaced with a cybernetic prosthesis, which pretty much gives him, like, super strength, and he can power, use, power it with energy and use it to, as, like, a sword. If you watch Dragon Ball Z and, you know, Jace has that little lightsaber attack that makes like a little energy blade think that and he crash lands on earth and is and has no memory and as the show progresses and he sees gara things either on sh their ships or their technology or records he actually freaks out he has visions and flashes and it it actually breaks him pretty bad in fact in one episode they capture this one big bad guy put him in uh, a cryo tube, and s they start interrogating him. Well, 
Shiro's alone and suddenly has like this big flash of post-traumatic stress and he thinks this guy in suspending animation is talking to him and trying to form a telepathic bond. So he freaks out and he slams a button which ejects this prisoner into space. Yeah, and they're not <laughs> hiding that. They show this guy get sucked out into space and you see his body float. Yeah, there's outright murder by our leader in this show because of the post-traumatic stress. And Koran, Alora's servant, yeah, he's the wacky, well, the, the wacky character, comic relief character. Sometimes he works, sometimes he doesn't. The show really fleshes out the characters, but I have to be honest, they don't flesh out the villains as much as they should be. I hope that's something that's addressed in Season 2, because we're going to get into the biggest twist. If you thought Pidge being a girl was a twist, you ain't seen nothing yet, friends. Because it turns out that Zarkon, the, le the big bad, was the original pilot of the Black Lion. Yeah. He is the, was the pilot of the Black Lion and went traitor. Now, the final episode is that reveal, and at the end of it, the lions get, um, they're traveling through hyperspace, and I forget, and I rewatched the episode, but I forget what happens. They get, I, I, something gets damaged, and they, and they just kind of get scattered throughout the hyperspace tunnel, so they just end up in random planets and points in the galaxy, and that's where the season ends. And that's where I went, what, what? No, 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 no. I need to know. I need to know. Are they okay? Are they okay? <laughs> I gotta get, I gotta know more about, how is Zarkon, uh, what happened? Why did he go evil? And, it, wow. Um, it, it's, it's a great show. I, I just, I can't, I can't talk about it enough. Um, and the, I will say this, not everything works. Like, like I said, the, the episode with the computer virus, well, throughout the ship, the different uh, members of Team Voltron are attacked and try to get killed in various ways by the AI, and it makes sense. Key's fighting a training robot, and, you know, all, pretty much all the safety protocols get turned off so the thing becomes lethal. Okay, that makes sense. Lance is working on the cryotubes, which also are medical tubes so that they can help heal people, and they use that on different prisoners that they rescue from the Galra. Well, he's working on one, and it turns on, and he's the only one in the room, and it, you know, turns on, and the pods actually go below the floor, so if no one's in there to see you, you could become a popsicle forever. And Allura, the hologram of her father, actually puts her in, like, a hypnotic state, so she's, well, just about ready to open up all the airlocks and suck everyone out into space. But Hunk and Pidge kind of have the dumbest one, because they get attacked by a food processor. Now, I, I mean, that sounds scary because you have blades and everything, but no, let me, let me explain. This food processor just spits out bunches of green goop at them. So unless that green goop caused a severe, could cause a severe allergic reaction or was, you know, acid, I'm not sure how that would have killed them. So, yeah, that was a little bit of a stupid, stupid thing. Well, maybe it was like the super high pressure would cut them in half like a water hose, but no, it didn't look like that either, so I, I really don't know. But there, there's some great moments, too, because 
the show shows that you know you, they don't just get in the lions and form Voltron right off the bat. Now it, it does that in the in the first episode because hey, we need to have Voltron in it, but it makes sense because they're all working together to save the castle from this uh, attack ship. But the next episode, they're struggling to put Voltron together. They can't. In fact, they actually do like a uh, a cheerleading pyramid where they all stand on top of each other to try to force the transformation, and they don't get it to work. Obviously, and the fact that they spent all a whole episode of just showing them training together because these aren't teammates at all. Um, the closest three would be Katie slash would be P- Katie slash Pidge, Hunk. And Lance, because they all worked at the Galaxy Garrison together as a shuttle team. But Shiro's been out in space for a year. Keith was actually the best pilot of the the Garrison, but was kicked out and washed out because, well, he had mystical force visions from a uh, lion. (laughs) Yeah, the the lion... we'll, We'll get into that in a second, but... The fact that the show explains that, hey, you know, you don't just immediately get the super robot. You have to work for it. So when he shows up, it's earned. It feels earned. And there, and though you do have the super sciencey science stuff, there is still the mystical element. I mean, Hagar's a witch. We have druids, and a lot of the powers of Zarkon create a lot of cr- crazy things. The Roe Beasts, for example... We only see two Robies, actually. And what they did in Shiro's arm was another experiment. Because they're using the quintessence, you know, the life energy, and are distorting it almost like a uh, liquefied dark side. Or so that, that, so that I like how there is the mystical elements. Allura has mystical powers. And, in fact, Allura even says, you know, there's a bond between pilot and lion that modern science can't explain. And I like that. I really do because I like the mystery of not knowing. I think that's kind of why I love the Force so much and why a certain topic is so highly debated because I think once the Jedi started assigning, okay, you're a supposed to be a Jedi of this power, or supposed to be a Jedi of that power, I think that destroyed what the Force meant. The Force didn't care how much of Force doohickeys, I refuse to say a certain word, Force doohickeys were in you. It just cared that, hey, you talk to me, I'll be there to help you. I'll guide your actions. I won't control it, but I'll listen, and I'll help. And I think that that was something that was lost with the Star Wars prequels. But again, that showed why the Jedi got wiped out. They grew too arrogant in their superiority. You need a, some mystery. You need to say, you know, we don't know everything. We'll never know everything. And I think that's true in real life. We'll never know everything. And um, it looks like Princess Allure will become the Blue Lion pilot eventually. I mean, it, everyone's expecting it. But if she doesn't, I don't care. Because when she's driving, she's actually driving in command of the castle of lions so and this thing is dangerous it has deflector shields that are super that are pretty powerful and it has multi-angle laser beams and oh yeah we we need to talk friends about the animation of this show you know how i said the showrunners were from avatar and korra that wasn't the only thing from avatar and korra 
the main animation studio is the same one from Avatar and Core. So you know how good that animation was in there? Yeah, it's just as good as here. All Now, all the lions and the row beasts and Voltron are CGI, but they look so great. I mean, they fit right in as an animated... Um, as, as animated. It's really hard to tell when they're... Um, I, I should say it, it looks more fluid. Yeah, I'll say it looks more fluid. And here's something that's really neat. Each of the pilots have a special weapon. Um, Pidge has like a grapple hook, I guess. I, I'm not really sure, but it can be a bow and arrow. It can be a grapple hook. It can be a dagger. It, it, it's kind of hard to specify her, hers. Keese is a sword, of course. Hunks is a chain gun. <laughs> and Lance's is a um, rifle. Looks a lot like a M7 rifle from Mass Effect. You know, with a big rounded body. And we find out that they can use the their weapons because they, they actually form like little... I, I, best way I can describe it is the pist the uh, grunt pistols from Halo, or no, the plasma rifles from Halo, because that's what they kind of look like. Well, they can put them in special slots in the Lion, and Voltron can use that weapon. So if you think Voltron just has the blazing sword, you haven't seen anything until you see Voltron with a chain gun. Yeah, Voltron has a chain gun at times. Let's just say how awesome that is. <laughs> this is the happiest day of my life! <laughs> And the lions all look great, and they're not weak at all. Because, you know, that, again, it's been a while, so I can't say I, I this with 100% certainty, so I'll throw that out. But it always seemed to me that the lions never really did anything in the original series. I'm, they destroyed some fighters, but they weren't really much of a threat. Well, we see them destroy capital ships on their own. We see them, yes, they take out fighters, but they, they are pretty powerful just on their own, as they should be. And it's really only the two row beasts that require Voltron to show up. And each one looks amazing, and they're clean and crisp, and whew, it, it's just wonderful. I mean, and back, back to the mysticism of the show, when each pilot approaches the line, like different carvings, like uh, the Koichi Caves from Smallville is the best way I can describe it, is all these cave etchings of the lines, whichever pilot approaches it, well, that color fills in. So, you know, Hunks is yellow, Lance's is blue, Pidge's is green. And, again, they're all in their elements. Yellow lines and sand, the blue lines and water, green lines and, you know, foresty area, red lines in lava, and the black line, of course, is at the castle of lines because, hey, we couldn't stick him in a black hole. When they fight, it's still great. And if you ever want... And they do have to learn to fight as one. These five separate individuals, they have to learn how to. They don't just immediately form Blazing Sword and cut the thing in half. They have to figure it out. And a lot of times, they struggle. So when, when they do fight, it makes sense, and it's, it's great. Now, when this show came out, I blitzed it that opening weekend, as I, well, tend to do with, um, uh, what, what do I want to say, Netflix shows. I may not think I will, but somehow I always end up doing. <laughs> but when this show came out, it got massive critical applause. In fact, that, that what I'm doing right now, if you heard my um, little keys clicking, 
here's its rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Now, I tend to take the Rotten Tomatoes with a grain of salt. Because sometimes, you know, they'll say people love it, and critics hate it. Critics hate it, audiences love it, or, or vice versa. Well, here's what their rating is. 100%. Yeah, Rotten Tomatoes has it as a 100% rating. The audience score is 93. Now, I tend to go with the audience score a bit better because as awesome as the um, 100% rating is, it only has six ratings versus about 500 ratings. So, 500 ratings, 93% like it. Yeah, I can see that. I definitely can see that. So, again, this is the quality of this show. And I'm so looking forward to the second season. And it's... There's heart-wrenching moments. There's shock moments. There, like I said, we see a guy get sucked out, a bad guy gets sucked down into space by our he, pretty much our main hero at at this point in the series, who is Shiro. And we see Shiro dealing again with the post-traumatic stress. We see Keith and Lance butting heads, and Pidge trying to find her family. And she actually leaves the team for part of an episode for an episode because she's like well this is all great and good you know being voltron but i i'm here to find my family they were kidnapped by these aliens i got i'm leaving to find them i didn't sign up to save the universe and keith is fighting her saying hey you know it's not just your family in danger every you know everyone on earth is in danger you're putting the lives of two people above the lives of six billion. And you know, that's pretty deep for a kid's show. And I'm glad they addressed that. Because yeah, when you think about it, you have an entire galaxy at stake versus two people. So yeah. <sighs> Friends, I <sighs> I'm trying not to you know, just read summaries and ruin everything because again this show has to be checked out i can't say it enough and i am so happy that it is a sequential story because when i when you start watching this i'll be honest i didn't notice next episode i just went click 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 i, I didn't realize just uh they just seemed to fly by now on the second viewing some of them didn't seem to be taking a little too long but that's mainly because I had so enjoyed them. I actually memor were, put, were, were memorizing them as I watched them. So I, <laughs> there's a so I only do that with shows I like. I mean, Star Wars. The last time I watched the entire original trilogy was a year ago for um, the premiere of Force Awakens, and that's because I watch them so many times I literally quote them. I, I listen to the John Williams mu music. I'm talking to myself the entire scene. So. Even though I haven't watched them, I still watch them, <laughs> if that makes any sense. <sighs> so please, friends, please check this out. And if you have Netflix, take an, like I said, take an afternoon. Even if you just get through like the first four episodes, you know, that's two hours. Take two hours out of your day, watch it, and let me know how you think. Because this is a show that needs checked out. I'm so glad I got a second season. I can't wait for the second season. And I can't wait to talk to you guys, my friends, about it. And I'd love to talk more uh, Voltron with you. Because this is a Voltron I think all of us can get behind. 
So what will we cover next week? Well, it'll still be our Saturday morning cartoon series. So you may want to still may want to get yourself a nice set of pajamas, grab a bowl of Cheerios, or you may want to grab some pizza because we'll be talking about something that uh well, is totally tubular, man. Cowabunga. Alrighty. So, my friends, if you enjoyed the show, if um, you've checked out Voltron, drop me a line. You can reach me at tangentsabound at gmail.com, or you can leave me a comment on the Lipson page, or you can leave me an iTunes review. Um, I really appreciate any and all things you do for me, my friends, and I always pay you back. So, whether it's uh, reading it on the air or sending you a little thank you note, I'll always make sure to pay back any small kindnesses my friends do. So if you happen to plug my show on a podcast, I will always, always make sure that your promo is in the very next episode. And I, uh, I do appreciate all my friends. In fact, by the time this episode's dropped, you can find me on someone else's show. Yeah, I have guest starred on another show. They were actually crazy enough to let me on. <laughs> and that is Weekly Heroics, which can be found at the thetwotruefreaks.com. Ah, see, you thought I wasn't going to plug the Two True Freaks this week. Oh, you were wrong, my friends. So, I'm at, so it's the Weekly Heroics show hosted by Chris Tyler and Scott McGregor. And it's a roundtable discussion of Luke Cage. And boy, did we have some fun doing it. Now, I will warn you, friends. It's a more mature audience for this one. Not just because of the subject matter of what we're talking about, but, uh, yeah, some of us uh, owe Pops some money for the swear jar. <laughs> some of us more than others, but, yeah, we all ended up owing Pops some money. So I definitely want to uh, throw that out there, so if you check it out, not all of us are as a... <laughs> yeah, like I said, we owe Pops some swear money. So, my friends, have a good day. Thank you for listening. Have a great morning. And in case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Tangents Abound is a free podcast. No money is made on the production or distribution of this podcast. Any and all audio clips used in this podcast are for education and review purposes only. No copyright infringement is intended, and all copyrights are owned by the respective copyright holders. Thank you. That's episode 10, for those of you not aware. If it's what that music originally appeared in... I'm sorry. <laughs> That's Let me start over.